Hello, and welcome to the Rehydrate interview series, a forum where we discuss Lucy Shin's Remembrance of Earth's Past series. In each episode, I will be speaking with a guest about their thoughts and experiences on reading the series. Spoiler warning for listeners, this episode will contain spoilers for all of the three-bited problem, the dark forest, death's end, and any other media that we happen to discuss. Today, I'm joined by Frank. Hi, Frank. Hello. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Frank is a person that I've you know, who reached out to our podcast and had some you know, ex- pretty extensive uh, research and uh, experiences with the three-body problem. So I thought it'd be very interesting to speak to him. Um, so first of all, t- tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, Dan. Um, I'm a university student. First read the series in the summer of 2018, um, recommended by family friend. And I first read the series in Mandarin, completely fell in love with it. Before the summer's end, I read it a couple of times and went on to read Liu Cixin's other novels as well, Ball Lightning and Supernova Era, and uh, didn't read the English version until 2020, but uh, finished those as well. I've never read any sci-fi before, but... This definitely held my interest, and I'm now reading Arthur Clarke's Odyssey series. Oh, nice! And Arthur Clarke, of course, is of course Liu Cixin's favorite sci-fi reader, uh, sci-fi writer, <laughs> I should say. Yeah. So how, how did you how did you find the series? I mean, uh, you said you read it in Mandarin, so like I, I get the impression it's like a lot more popular in China than it is in the U.S. I mean, U.S. it has like pretty niche niche market, right? Like. This, it, you have a really intense fan base, um, but it seems to be really prevalent in China. Is, is that the case? I think so. A family member recommended it to me, so I had nothing to do in the summer, so I went ahead and read it. Okay. Mm. Did you read like an actual book, or did you like use an ebook, or did you audiobook, or like how do you generally uh, cons- you know, read read these series? I always prefer an actual book, no matter what I read. Okay. So, and it's, it's the reason I was able to, I guess, get extensive knowledge in the series is because after I would say, you know, have lunch or dinner, I would pick it up and just flip to a random page and read for about 20 pages. Mm. After you do that enough times, you really start to connect the dots together and get the things that you missed the first time you went through. You cannot really do that with an ebook because you have to. It's it's it just doesn't feel the same way if you want to start at a random spot. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I I think the only thing I prefer about ebooks is that it's easier to to make uh, notes on it. So especially like as I'm doing this podcast, like I'll like highlight sections and make notes on it. So you could do that in a book, right? But then you're kind of reading the book. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's the only I think benefit of e- and ebooks are also really searchable. You know, if I'm looking for a particular term, I can just you know, search. That is quick. true indeed. Yes. Yeah. So it's best to have a copy of both, and then yeah. Yeah, that, that's a, that's what I have. I have the copies of all three books uh, for ebook and like the physical copies too. Uh, so yeah, so I can I can kind of do do both. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also um, the first time I actually uh, quote unquote read Three Body Problem, I actually did it as an audiobook um, because I, I didn't know anything about the series and I had heard about it as you know as like a recommendation of hard sci-fi. And I mm-hmm. you know I'm a big podcast listener, so I listened to it as like I did a podcast. Um, but I, I think I got a lot more out of it once I actually read the book, because um, you can kind of tune in and out as you're listening to an audiobook, but with a book, you're like reading it, right? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess of the of the three books of the of the series, which one is your favorite? The third one. Third one? Yeah, me too. The third <laughs> one. Um, the third one is the most ambitious and yeah. the most... The, the grandest in scale and scope. Yeah, Ambitious I, I, because, not only because it aims to give an ultimate picture of the universe, but also in the way it was written. For example, you would recall that there is an analysis of a literature within the within the literature, the fairy tale of Yin Tianming. Yeah. That's, that, that's, my, my, that's my favorite <laughs> part. That's my favorite part of the whole series was the, the fairy tales. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, indeed. And of course, I think the third book is the grandest in scale, both in the sense of space and time. It also has the, I think, the best chapter out of the series, which is the singer chapter. Yeah, yeah. Every time I read it, I, I sometimes still get goosebumps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that, I think all the chapters where they give the perspectives of either the, the Tresolarians or the the singer chapter, like I, I love all those chapters. Like just seeing like, and the way he kind of has like a little bit different, like how he talks about time a little bit differently. Like it's like grains of sand or yep. uh, like the light minutes or whatever he talks about. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of the things that, that struck me the first time I, I read it was the, especially in like the, the first book and when they start introducing projects so fun, it was, it was really confusing to me. Uh, and I had to reread it a couple of times to like understand what was, cause like they dump a lot of information on you, right? Like a lot mm -hmm. of like dimensionality and like a lot of like, high minded concepts. Um, mm -hmm. I, I guess, what was your experience reading those chapters? Well, I think I'm glad to say that I think I got them the first time. <laughs> I I had an interest in my earlier years in theoretical physics. Hmm. There is an east there's a nice Easter egg about the Sofan construction when they said that the mic the, the microparticle is stored in eleven dimensions and that's uh I think that's paying homage to string theory, at least yeah. a branch of string theory which called which is called the M theory. So the M theory aims to kind of encapsulate all the, well, not all, encapsulate the major branches of other string theories. And M theory says that there are 11 dimensions, one time and 10 spatial in our universe. So um, the construction of Sofan was definitely fun to read. The human computer yeah. pretty much got that time, you know. I, I didn't experience any of, you know, I might have missed some details, but I got the gist of it the first time around. Um, yeah. I also finished it really quickly. I think I finished the, the, I think I finished the series, the, the entire series in about a week. I had nothing better to do, so. <laughs> oh, a week, really? Wow. It took me like a, a while. Um, yeah. I, I... I think especially the the second book, I, I feel like the second book uh, kind of drags in the beginning a bit, you know, like the the first half um, before, uh, you know, when Logi is still in the the, the common era or, or the crisis era. Um, mm -hmm. It kind of, I mean, all those all the concepts are really interesting. I think until they get to the wall facer part, it's like they're introducing all these characters and like it's confusing. Um, so I felt that part a little dragged a little bit, but then it really picks up at the end. I think especially like when he uh, goes to uh the the droplet attack time you know like that part yeah it, everything just like ratchets up and it's like super interesting after that blows up literally yeah <laughs> um the the slow part the setup part that you mentioned i would rather i think it's more enjoyable if you read it as a commentary instead of you know part of the plot so yeah with you know the the three the three men um, you know, Lao Zhang, Lao Yang, and Lao Miao, you know, they they were Be Beijingers who Beijingers who try to figure out what to do. Right. And I think what the author is doing here is simply giving commentary on human response and human nature in the face of a major crisis. And afterwards, Lord Zi's um constructed imaginary lover that's the co that's commentary on the nature of love hmm. there is a very potent quote from a psychologist in the book that says when someone loves a person it is not act the actual person that they love it's rather an ideal that they use a template to base it on but some people, like Wazi, don't need a template. They just construct it out of, out of thin air. So that's, that's again, commentary. And that's the sort of thing I would miss the first time I read it because it has no significance to the plot. Right, right. Yeah, I think 
I think as the Dark Forest especially like is better on a reread um, because like yeah when you're first reading it you're like you just come up with the events of the three body problem right and you're looking for like continuation mm-hmm. of that and yeah. but like yeah like you said like it, there's a lot of commentary on not only like love but also I think like the social um, uh, response to such a uh, a big crisis right like you're mm-hmm. you're tied, the whole world like has to change their thinking about like how their their situation is in the universe and like the fact that the trisolarians are not only coming but like omnipresent and listening to everything and then like the how they set up the wall facer the wall facer project um all, all that stuff is like i think much more interesting on a second read but the first time it's like all right well what, what's happening here <laughs> yeah 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 um so do you have i, I, I mean I guess what are the the big favorite moments from the the series for for you? Like what what things like uh, as you think back on the series, like what are the, like the big things that stick out to you? The three body problem game. Yeah. The reason I mentioned that is because it uses the, the best part I like about it is it uses these historical fig- figures from all eras and regions and try to give them a personality in the game that you can somehow relate to the actual historical figures yeah yeah so and, uh, because yeah. You, i mean i mean was the, the the first part of the the game where they interact with like the chinese historical figures like i had no frame mm-hmm. of reference of of those so like did that uh, did that resonate more with you Yes, it was. Uh, I wouldn't claim to be an expert on Chinese philosophy, but I at least I knew who they are, and uh, somehow it, it was conven- a convincing construction of the personalities in the game. Yeah, I think one of the things that I caught on reread that I didn't catch the first time is like as soon as he changed his username from a uh, higher to to Copernicus like the entire mm-hmm. game changed like the frame of reference and I just didn't catch that the first time for some reason and I think it's because like they're saying um you know because he's oh you have a you have a more western username now so we're gonna give you you know uh Newton and Einstein and all the you know all the, the more western constructions that I think that was interesting yeah, that is definitely interesting. And the whole process of discovering the nature of the three-body world is, it was quite a revelation for the readers. I think one thing that still is confusing to me, even after reading it a couple of times, I think I've read it three times now, um, is uh, the 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 nature of like player characters versus non-player characters. Like, it seems like more of a single player experience, but there's definitely other people in the game. I don't know if there's like other players or those are admins trying to guide people in, into directions. So I guess, did you have any thoughts about that? Unfortunately not. I, it's not a, it, it's, it def, it's definitely a good, a valid question. Uh, I don't have a good answer to it. I don't think it really matters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because like I think I think as I think about it, like initially, like oh yeah, it's a big MMORPG, right? Like people, all other people are in the game and are playing, you know, some historical figure and just interacting with other mm-hmm. people. But then like mm-hmm. you know when they go to the meetups and they talk about oh this person saw Civilization two hundred whatever and I'm only on Civilization one eighty something, you know. And so I mean I guess ultimately like the game that's not the point of the game. The point of the game is to recruit people into the ETO, right? Um, yeah. But the uh, just the nature of um, yeah, like who, who's a who's a real person who's not? Because like at one time he mentions like, um, I, I guess one of the characters made like a very like Sichuan uh, specific comment about like the left right thing when he talked about the computer thing, yeah. and so yeah. like oh it must be a real person. <laughs> so yeah, I mean if you want to get technical, I can imagine a possibility where the server where it is indeed a single player experience, but the server will record everything that a person does and then use this recording to construct the other players when another player signs on Mm. yeah it could be um so it could be a single player experience for everyone they're not interacting with other players in real time but but rather interacting with recorded players from other parts of the world Mm, interesting yeah or yeah since people have progressed like higher like maybe like they yeah yeah like uh like in Mario Kart when you're raising a ghost, right? So something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. 
I, I, I just thought of this because I play a racing game as well and they use this <laughs> technology. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, sorry, one second. Computer went to sleep. Um, so uh, I, I guess, you know, there's a lot of characters that are introduced in the series. Like, who, who are some of your favorites? And I guess who are, and then in the converse, like, who are some of your least favorites? My favorites, Da Shi, yeah. the police officer, Luo Ji, and then Thomas Wade. So you'll notice these are from the three different books, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, do, do you have any least favorite characters? Uh, not really. I wouldn't know. Not really. I see a lot of a lot of like negative comments around Chung Sheen from the the third book, but I don't get it. Like I always liked her character. Like I I don't know. Like she seems, uh, she always seemed really interesting to me. Like she's like very very pure, very you know like she has like good instincts. Like you know that gets us into trouble. You know, but I guess there's like debate if she's actually the one that caused uh, you know all the all the problems. But you know in the more immediate sense she did because she didn't press the button right. But uh, mm-hmm. you know that probably would have happened anyway eventually. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, do you have any thoughts around her? My feelings towards her are ambivalent. I think well, the way I think about it is, you know, it's a story and she was constructed by the author to advance the plot. Hmm. But the character herself, I think it's just a matter of... <laughs> this is the wrong word for this, but I, it's a matter of fate, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Um, if 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 it weren't her, it would be someone else. The right. author is trying to express something inherent in human, in in human nature, and the argument here, I think, is that human nature as it is today is not suitable for survival in space. Right. Right. Yeah, she just so, happens to be the yeah. one that that takes over the button, right? And like, but yeah, I think I think you're right that. The, yeah, she, she's kind of representing all of humanity and like there, and it, it starts way back, you know, with like the, the original message going out into space and how naive we are, right? It's like, hey, come, come visit mm-hmm. us. We're, 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 you're humans. We're cool. But it's all, it's all, you know, <laughs> it's all like share knowledge, but like, that's not the nature of the universe. Right. And so, yeah, that the Chinching being the, the person she is, just kind of continues that nature. Yeah. So, so you mentioned the uh, Dasher as being one of your, your favorite characters. Like, um, you know, on our, our podcast, we talked about that a lot too. And yeah, we we can't quite get a sense of like why he's our favorite character, but is it like just like such, you know, to me, like he's just like su- he's kind of a stereotype in a way. But that's kind of interesting that he's a stereotype. You know, he's just mm-hmm. like this horrible cop who like just speaks truth to power. Um, so I guess like why why do you consider him to be one of your favorite characters? he's just fun to read (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's it there's there's no you know there's no bs with him no he's a no nonsense character and it also helps that he he managed to save the life of lord z quite a few times in the second book Right, right, yeah. That that's what I was telling uh, some of my other co-hosts on the on the podcast. Like, just wait, you know. Like, you know, especially in yeah, in uh, in Dark Forest, like when he's like when when Doji is like in constant trouble, he's like pushing him out of the yeah. way of the of the, the hole yeah. or whatever, and like in the yeah. And also, the first book, he was the one who came up with the I I think in fairness, brilliant plan to yeah yeah destroy the the ship. Right. Right. Yeah, it, it it seemed kind of weird that he was the one to come up with the plan, but you know, they kind of he. They, I think they explained it well enough. Like they, he had seen something like similar in the past, you know. And then like he really, he's the kind of person who like doesn't think like a military strategy or a scientific strategy like the way the other people are. Um, mm. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, how about uh, Ye Wen Jie? Like, how how do you feel about her? I, I feel like she is like the most fully formed character of the whole series, and so that I think she might be my favorite character of the whole series just just because of like the amount of backstory that's given to her as opposed to the other some of the other ones i mean i guess those would be the second uh yeah. in, in terms of like fully formed characters but i think yeah when jay of like all the characters have the most fully formed uh, backstory yeah in terms of development there's no contest she's probably the most developed character again i don't you know there's no harsh feeling towards the character i think it was a convincing construction. She, if you believe in fate, then, <laughs> then she's the she just 
fulfills her fate, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, she did invite over the aliens, which caused a lot of trouble, but that's just how things go. And uh, I think this kind of, this is slightly on a tangent, but in the first book, after the world learns of what happened, there was no retribution towards at least not in the book there was no retribution there was nothing about retributions against china mm. more nor there is in the second book so the the world attitude in liu's writing was okay we have a problem let's get on with it and stop stop you know wasting time right right and I guess that's the attitude you can also take with yeah, because it, what happened already happened. I think they even mentioned at one point, like if she hadn't done it, like someone else would have done it too. And, and, you know, the same with like the listener too, you know, I think, uh, I think that, 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 and I think we talked about that earlier too, like these things are just going to happen. Like it, you know, it happened to do yeah, yeah, Wenji at that time. Right. But it would eventually happen in the, you know, the cosmic scale of the universe. Right. Like we would have, mm-hmm. you know, someone would have found out about a universe and this would have happened. It just, yeah. happened to be the person at that, at that time. I mean, you could think, uh, you, could, you could think of it as if, if this broadcast, if this message from earth was not sent during the cultural revolution, it could have been sent let's say, in 2010. And it wouldn't make a whole lot of difference if you think about it. Right, right. Uh, In terms of human technology and whatnot and, uh, you know, global politics. Right, right. Um, so I know uh, you, you'd mentioned that you read the book in um, in Chinese and also in, in English. Like, I guess, what are the, some of the big differences that that you found by, by those two different experiences? And I think especially what I'm interested in is the tone of the the first and third books versus the second book, since they were translated by different people uh, in English. Uh, and I felt like personally reading the second book, it felt much different, much colder, much, um, it didn't have as much warmth as, as Ken Leo's uh, translation, uh, I, I felt. And like, I think that's why maybe in the beginning it dragged a little bit, but because like, you know, obviously the books are all by, by Liu Xin in, in Chinese, like they probably have the mm-hmm. same, same style, right? So I guess what are your experiences with the different the language differences? So there are two questions there. One is what are the differences between between the two languages, two versions in two languages? The other is the difference between the English translations. So I answer the first one first. The the first the first thing I'll say is that <clears throat> the translations are faithful. There were especially in the first and third book, hmm. there were no omissions. There were the, the 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 meanings the gist of the idea the ideas are conveyed in, in an accurate way there's there are some discrepancies in the second book which i'll get to later on but uh, in terms of accuracy of translation it is quite accurate some discrepancies include the the order of narration in the first book. So the first book, the English version, starts with the Cultural Revolution in 1966. And then after a few chapters about that, it moves to present day, about one year. So in, in, in the Chinese version that I read, it wasn't the case. It started mm. out with the present day when Wang Miao gets the visits from the army officers. And after a oh, few really chapters in the present day, you know, the pool, the game of pool, right? So after a few chapters mm-hmm. about that, the, the it, then it switches to the cultural revolution. So that's what happens in the Chinese version. Hmm. I'm not sure why it, the decision was taken to switch the order of narration in, in the English version, although I should mention that the, the first body problem, the first book, it it also went through different editions in China, and I believe that even the the later edition in Chinese had the revised order of narration, which started out in the Cultural Revolution. Oh, interesting. Overall, the content is the same; it's just the order. Hmm. But you know, for completeness, I'll just point out that discrepancy. Another source of discrepancy, and this is actual content discrepancy, happens in the second book. And this, again, is insignificant to the plot, but it is 
not it, but I don't think it's a minor discrepancy either. So this discrepancy is regarding the Warfacer plan by Frederick Tyler. Mm-hmm. And the English version changes his plan from original. The English version's plan has something to do with water and a mosquito fleet, whereas the original version had something to do with ball lightning. Now, ah. I I think there is a good reason why Joe Martinson did what he did. Uh, Joe Martinson is a translator. So the original plan in the Chinese version would have, I think, given away a pretty big twist in Liu Cixin's Ball Lightning novel. Mm. Ball Lightning is a prequel to the three-body series problem. It's a very loose prequel, but the technology of Ball Lightning is mentioned, in fact, twice in the series. Once once in passing during a discussion in the first book. I don't know if you noticed it. And the yeah, second time I remember that. Like when they're when, when they're coming up with the, the Operation Kujung plans, like they're like one of the guys like, how about his ball lightning? I'm like, ah, it won't work. <laughs> yeah. The the thing is Liu Sussing's bot lightning has almost a mystic approach. Hmm. It is it is definitely not the ball lightning we know in, in our real world. And so, so the original Frederick Tyler plan in the second book gives away the, arguably the biggest twist in ball lightning, and so they revised it. The revised plan is not very good. <laughs> I, I don't think it is very convincing, and I think it, you know, it make it gave less credit to Tyler as uh, you know than he deserves, hmm. um, because it's it just seems a little, you know ad hoc and not very well thought out but that's the, so that's what I, the feeling i got when i read the english version the original version is slightly better hmm. interesting so yeah so that's the discrepancy b- between chinese and english versions now regarding the difference between the english translations which is the second part of your question I I I did I do think that the second book's translation is a is a little a little drier, yeah, and it also has less footnotes yeah, than the true. first and third. Maybe because there were not a lot of Chinese culture in the second book in the first place, hmm. but I've caught a few omissions which could have used a footnote. For example. At the very beginning of the book, right after the prologue, the ship was being built in a shipyard, and the name of the ship was Tang. Um, mm. Tang is the name of... I mean, you wouldn't catch this in English because it would just spell out T-A-N-G. But in Chinese, it's quite obvious that they named it after the Tang dynasty in ancient China, which is probably the most prosperous dynasty in in imperial times and again there is another mention in passing of a ship's name of Zhenghe which there were no footnotes. Zhenghe is a mariner who sailed from China to I I believe Eastern Africa in the Ming Dynasty and regarded as a a pioneer figure in China. Hmm. Yeah that stuff is a yeah that's it yeah the there, there aren't that many footnotes, um, but I, yeah, I didn't think about that stuff. That's that's all. Yeah, I, I figured there does a lot of like Chinese cultural things like that uh, around, among the the whole series, right? That like mm-hmm. as as a you know only English speaker, like I I wouldn't I wouldn't catch. Yeah, and you know these these little Easter eggs, and I I'm actually reading through the ebook of the Dark Forest and making notes as I go. Hmm. So maybe someday I'll just compile it and. Reddit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think all, all that stuff is like, yeah, super interesting to me. It, and I think it's, I think, I think it's going to be especially interesting to people, um, not only book readers, but like, you know, now they're producing the TV show in both China and the US. Um, so like, I think there'll be a lot more interest, you know, when that series comes out, if it's as popular as, you know, I think we all can hope it in good <laughs> as it's going to be. Um, you know, so I guess, do you have thoughts around the, the, I guess, not only the China, the new, the whole like three body universe they're trying to the, to construct. You mean the TV series? Yeah, the TV because like it, it seems like they're making uh like 
in China, like making a lot more because uh, I saw other people posting, you know, like the the behind the scenes footage of uh, of the new uh, of new series there. But then, yeah, also the Benioff and Weiss series in the U.S. Yeah, so I'm not very familiar with the TV series development. Unfortunately, I know I know Dan and Dave are in charge of the Netflix adaptation. Yeah. And I've watched all of games of Game of Thrones. I've read all the books as well. I think they they did a good job with Game of Thrones, at least from seasons, I think <laughs> one to six. Um, but I I haven't followed up on the three body problem development because that that's just me. When when I've read the books, I just don't pay attention to the film adaptation anymore. Hmm. The one thing I'll say though is. I just don't know how they're going to tackle the cultural revolution part of the book. Right, right. Um, I, I should also point out, and this is again on a tangent, that the the writing about the cultural revolution in China is is not as taboo as you think. Really? This book was, The Three-Body Problem was published uh, 2004, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely not the only one. Uh, there was, there are other works that uh, that writes about the Cultural Revolution. There are novels out there by Chinese authors who depicts the Cultural Revolution as inherently a bad thing, a terrible, terrible period of history that set back Chinese development by. I think the consensus is 10 years. Hmm. So it's been written about before, but the, the caveat, and you can go read it in the bookstore. The caveat is I don't think any of them made it to, to the screen. That's just as far as I know. But yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that was surprising to me that they opened the book that way. And then, you know, I, I don't know that much about the you know Chinese history and everything. I mean, I know a little bit, but um, yeah, it was surprising to me that he was so open about it. And I thought that was more of a taboo subject. I guess because like I think more in more modern times, like you know how the Chinese government you know really seems to crack down on information, especially on the internet, like Tiananmen Square and that that kind of thing. Um, mm. it, so I, I I assumed that the Cultural Revolution um, was was a, a similar subject where they try to crack down on information, and by having such a popular book, uh, you know, kind of. It, it being like center stage of like, you know, this is the kickoff event that hap- that makes all these things happen, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was surprising to me. But I think, since, you know, like, like you're saying, and I've talked to other people uh, about it too, and like, yeah, like the Chinese government pretty much admits that it was, it was a bad, it was a bad period in history. And like, they've made reparations um, to, to kind of, to make up for it. And, you know, they, they've kind of readjusted their policy. Yeah. Uh, so, are there any other books that you're you're go- that you're looking at reading, or any series that you're you are interested in? Like, and you're saying that the, the Arthur C. Clarke uh, stories, like you're interested. Any other series that that you would be interested in reading, or you know, and, and because of I, I guess like since the this the Remembers of Earth Past series like piqued your interest in sci-fi, right? So, like, um, like any other stuff that you're following or interested in reading? I just downloaded a book called Anathem by Neil Stephenson last night. Hmm. I think I'm going to read that sometime. Although I wouldn't say that sci-fi is the top of my list in terms of genres. I have other philosophical books that I would like to get through too. Hmm. So one of them, if you like, if, if, you know, if you don't want to know this sort of thing, one of them is called uh, Language, Truth, and Logic by A.J. Ayer. So he was under the influence of Bertrand Russell and Wittgenstein. I'm just saying this out in in case you know who they are. <laughs> but <don't>, but... <laughs> uh, um yeah. So I I I mostly read philosophy these days and some history from time to time. Okay. Is that is that what you're studying in school? Oh no, I, I study mathematics in school. Okay. So did the did your background in mathematics help? Uh, I, mean, I guess you you said you also did physics, so and that made you understand the 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 project so fun stuff uh, easier. Uh, did but did your your background in math play any part in your understanding of the of sort of the concepts that were that were established? No, I don't think so. There is not very much math in this book. 
mostly yeah. it's applied applied sciences, I would say. Yeah. And surprisingly, a lot of sociology as well. Right. None of them are my expertise. <laughs> I, I happen to be lucky enough to have read enough popular science before embarking on this book. Uh, pop, I think my favorite popular science book was One, Two, Three, Infinity by George Gamow. Hmm. It first introduced me to a variety of exciting subjects in science. And later on, I became aware of people like Brian Greene and uh, I believe other popular science writers. So I, I dabble in these things. Yeah, I thought one of the the cool things about the this this series was that you know Liu Shishin like he was able to kind of dive into a whole bunch of like scientific areas and like it seemed like you know speak pretty authoritative about it like you know he speaks about physics and applied science and even computer science. Uh, I, I'm a software engineer myself, so like that that part kind of resonated with me, like the human computer part. So like I studied, you know that that kind of stuff in in school. Um, mm -hmm. And so, like, and he, he you know, was able to speak pretty authoritatively about, about that. And yeah, I think you're right about the sociality part, especially you know, in in, uh, in dark forest, where, you know, how the human the society reacts to the oncoming the incoming trisolarian invasion, um, it, it, and it it didn't seem like he's just like making it up. He seemed like he like really well researched, really really well informed, and had good ideas about like all this stuff, and it's all plausible. Um, you know, like obviously there's some creative liberty there. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And I think even, uh, you know, the dimensionality stuff, like that is a really hard concept to kind of get your head around, but you seem to talk about it pretty well. Uh, like it's hard to like write down and explain what you're talking about. Uh, I would say like the chapter when they encounter like the four dimensional pockets was pretty confusing, but, you know, I think he did a pretty good job about saying like how you can see cross sections of people and that kind of thing. It's impossible to, to visualize. And, yeah. uh, you know, you know what they say. The only way to talk about higher dimensions is through mathematics. But I think Liu has offered a way to somehow get give you the gist of it in natural language. That was really cool. So, and um, the style of speaking about multiple scientific discipline with an authoritative voice—that is almost an exact inheritance of. Arthur Clarke's style, hmm. the just expo exposition of every detail of possibly every device, every technology in the book, hmm. which is why I think this book, another appealing aspect of especially The Dark Forest and Death's End, it offers an optimistic view of the future and where technology can take us. Hmm. And that was very, I, I, I was filled with optimism after I finished. I envy the future, which is described. I envy the future with abundant energy, yeah. with advanced healthcare, with a person being able to live 200 years. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really like that part. Yeah, even with the even with the sofa unlock, like the it, you know humans are able to progress like pretty you know pretty significantly you know and not yeah not in uh, obviously like theoretical aspects, but like yeah just like practical technology like you're saying like the medical technology like the yeah like the screens everywhere like they're able to um yeah to really progress so yeah the and the 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 pre uh, drop at attack world the teams seem really great and they they also thought it was great. Um, and also afterwards, after the Sofan lock was lifted, they, they constructed the circumsolar particle accelerator, which is right. Which is to me arguably the most exciting of all, because you can now construct antimatter, which is another source of clean energy, right? right. And um, engineer a mini black hole and study it. I mean <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Yeah. I'm excited about the future. I'm I'm optimistic. Yeah, same. So when you when you read uh, the three body problem for the first time, I guess like, uh, you know, I think they they kind of I, I feel like the the especially the three body problem is kind of uneven in their their storytelling. Like the you know he, he there's a lot of there's a lot of mystery in the beginning, and it's probably intentional, right? Because it really pays off at the end. And it, but the, I think the downside to that is that at the very end, there's a lot of information dumped on you really fast. 
Um, so I guess like reading the three body problem for the first time, did you catch, or did you have an inkling of what, what was happening? Uh, you know, cause like I signed up for this series cause like, oh, it's aliens, but like, well, where are the aliens, you know? And it's just like this weird mystery. I have to say, I don't know if you read the synopsis of the three body problem. I mean, every book has a synopsis on their cover or, or rather the back of the cover. Hmm. I, I that synopsis gives quite a lot away. Right. <laughs> it, it literally says, it literally says, an alien, an alien species sends two supercomputers to Earth. Oh, really? <laughs> so imagine reading that synopsis before getting to the book, and that's yeah. exactly what I did. Wow. So I, I always knew it was coming, and but it was still fascinating to to read the details of the construction of the cell phone. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's too bad. Uh, I, I remember hearing like um, people talk, complaining about like the synopsis of the second book and like talking about like it gave away the entire plot of the first book basically. Um, but when I read it, I yeah, you know, like I said, I, for the first time I, I experienced that book, I listened to the audiobook and I didn't read any synopsis or anything. It's just like, oh, recommended hard sci-fi, you know, through guided problem recommended by Barack Obama and everyone. So I was like, yeah. all right, cool, so, sounds good. So I just like read it and I had no idea what's happening. And I figured like. I was also surprised that like they they stopped the three body game, you know, kind of halfway through or two thirds of the book. Uh, I figured mm-hmm. that was gonna be like throughout the whole the whole book and maybe the whole series, right? Um, but, but yeah, like I how the aliens show up, you know, and like how that becomes like such a big deal, and like how yeah 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 when Jay being the commander, like that was like super surprising to me. Um, I had you know, it, yeah. but it clicked, you know, it made sense as soon as as soon as they announced, it, like oh right, of course, like you know, she's still bitter about her father and all that stuff. Yes, yeah, that was a bombshell. Maybe it was, I mean, yeah, that was a bombshell. And of course, you know, giving it away in the synopsis, maybe it's, maybe it's intentional because maybe somehow the author knew that the, the, the start of the book was moving too slowly. And I, I would argue that even after reading the synopsis, you, it still has quite a few surprises in store. For example, Operation Guzheng using, uh, using nano, using the flying blade to, right. Three. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like uh yeah, when Jay like killing her, her husband, uh you know oh, yeah, and, was, and, and yeah. the commissary, like that was also really surprising, you know. <laughs> uh how do you feel yeah. about um Wang Miao kind of not showing up past the the first book? Like that was surprising to me that like he met the, I guess Dasher mentions him in passing like, in Dark Forest like once, like, oh there's a yeah. guy one time. <laughs> like that's it, right? Like yeah. yes. I I didn't have any problem with it. I think I don't read book. I don't, I didn't read this book for the characters. Hmm. All of the characters that Liu constructed are are plot devices. They're just there. They're also quite. They also happen to be quite stereotypical. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what I find a, a little amusing is that, in fact, in the second book. Lord Z and his girlfriend talks about literary creation. And his girlfriend says that the, the best literary authors, they create characters and lose control of them. And the characters will just develop on the, the characters they construct will have a life of their of their own, which the which the creator can no longer control. So this is how it started out, you know, how Lord Z imagined his ideal lover and so discovers that he he can no longer control his construction anymore what's amusing is that none of liu's characters fit this criteria (laughs) you also have the sense you you always have the sense that liu actually has full control of his characters which by his logic by by the logic of the character of of byron the novelist in the book are terrible characters (laughs) so that's, that's that's not a problem. I mean, you just read for the ideas and you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. One thing I, I worry about, like in the the adaptation, is like, you know, if they're going to make a TV series out of this, like, and Wang Miao just like kind of fades away at the after the first season, you know, assuming like it's one season per book, right? Like, how can mm-hmm. they? They can't do that with a TV show, right? So. Uh, you know, I, I, we, there was a, a discussion on Reddit, and I was like positing, like, well, maybe they're just gonna, they're going to combine Lua Ji and, and Wang Miao into one character, 
and maybe this low g like you know does like all the events in the three body problem i mean obviously like as book readers we know like they're not the same character right um mm-hmm. but i think for like, a tv adaptation they they might do that just to make it uh not as jarring that like he just goes away or he just kind of fades away I don't think it's unprecedented for a TV show to completely dump a character after a season. Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones did it with <laughs> with Ned Stark. But the, um, the, difference, the difference here is like Ned Stark dies, right? Like he. That's true. Yeah, like Wang Miao just like he just doesn't show up anymore. He doesn't die. He just like we just don't mention him anymore. It will leave a weird feeling if they actually went about doing the exact same as the book. Yeah. I would only say that if they want, if they will combine Wang Miao and Luo Ji, then they would have to revise their stories quite a bit because yeah. it is it is not possible for these two to be the same person in the in the book world. One is an applied scientist who is very serious about his research. The other is yeah, sociologist yeah. who doesn't really care about academic research and just wants to live a life. Right. <laughs> Just don't want to really do anything. <laughs> seems, yeah. I, I just worry, like, I, so, like, my main concerns around the TV series is that, yeah, they're gonna. Well, I have a couple. Like, first, like, they're gonna kind of make it more westernized, you know, because like a lot of Western audiences aren't gonna understand a lot of the Chinese, um, you know, uh, cultural things that are kind of that enhance the series, you know, that we've talked about. Uh, second mm-hmm. is around, around the Wang Miao specifically, um, and uh, and then third is like if. Are people gonna? Are they gonna try to? How are they gonna to kind of present the the high scientific concepts? Like, how are they gonna to to, to represent like the high dimension, high order dimensionality of you know eleven dimensional protons, uh, you know, into a more general audience? Like, how can they represent that? Like, you know, Liu Xixin did it by you know writing it down, but showing it and explaining it is a whole different matter. I think. Yeah, indeed, they might just. This is very risky for them, but they might just pull off the same kind of thing as the 2001 Space Odyssey movie. Hmm. I don't know if you watch the movie. It's uh, it it's is. quite it's yeah, it's my, quite good. It's, it's my favorite movie. <laughs> yeah, but but you will but you will admit. I mean, most people will admit that if you just watch the movie, you don't know what actually happened. Right. You don't know what actually happened, especially at the end. He right. he gets into a hotel room and. All of a sudden, he becomes an, a star child, right? And you kind of have to go to Clark's book for a much clearer explanation. If they do the same thing with the three-body problem, it, it could work, but I don't think they can pull that off with today's audience. Today's audience have much less patience than back then in the 70s. Definitely. Yeah. Like 2001, the movie could never be made today. It's just like, it, it had to have more explosions and whatever, you know, all the, yeah. the Marvel movies and whatever, like kind of, kind of ruined uh, all, you know, science fiction movies, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing, if I, if you don't mind, I, I want to, I'm wondering about something. Sure. You said that a lot of Chinese cultural elements might be westernized, but I would argue that a lot of Chinese culture, especially regarding ethics, is in fact embedded in the actions of the characters. Hmm. I, I'm what I'm wondering then is, <clears throat> were there any parts during the book when you saw a character do something, and you suddenly go, "Well, that's a little confusing. Why they would do that?" It is not something that, let's say, an American would do. W- were there spots like that when you were reading the series? Um, I can't think of anything offhand. Um, kind of, I'm trying to think of any anything that that struck me. I think because the the characters, like you said, they're more they're more plot devices than um, the than actual like fully formed characters for for the most part. Besides, I think I would say besides Ye Wan Jie, she's the only one that that has like more motivations but i understood her motivations right like i understood like why she did the things she did um i think everything made sense i think when i, when I was speaking about like more westernization of concepts is like all of these like chinese names right like that or you know 
that'd be, uh, that'd be hard for American audiences to remember, like, yeah, when you or even pronounce yeah, when you, right. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, and so I, I worry like they're going to call him like, Oh, you know, Jane Smith or whatever, right. Or like cast white mm-hmm. actors as, as those roles, like hopefully like, you know, Hollywood and, you know, learn their lesson around, uh, kind of cultural, um, appropriation, you know, around like some of the backlash of some of the other, uh, films that cast white, white actors as, as, uh, as Asian. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so that's my worry is like, uh, they're they're gonna have you know studio executives saying uh, we can't have so many Chinese characters in here right? like people aren't gonna know how, how to pronounce like Wang Yao or Luo Qi that kind of thing you know <laughs> that's a possibility I, I I will leave it to them to worry about that um, right. <laughs> I, I should make a point regarding Chinese ethics that sort of thing well not ethics but really just a way of behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, you notice that first of all, there is there are several interesting mentions of totalitarian societies in the book. Yeah. Three about the Trisolaris is totalitarian. And in the third book, there was a quote saying, if humanity is lost in space, totalitarianism will take only five minutes. Or mm. something to that effect. Right. And then in the singer chapter. It is revealed that in fact Singer doesn't cannot have any private thought of his own because the elder can just look for his thoughts right. and read his thoughts. Um, it's an interesting take, and uh, I'm not sure if the author is trying to say anything here. It it seems also that the the value of transparency is is not very high in the book. Transparency is something that really is is has a there is a stark contrast on this issue between U.S. and China. Hmm. The U.S. believes in transparency, whereas in politics and other things, the Chinese do not. Hmm. And this is shown in the second book because you have four wall facers. Who, whose, whose very aim is not to give anything away. Right. At the same time, the Trisolarians who have transparent thoughts are defeated by scheme and strategy. Right, yeah, their, their transparency is sort of their downfall, right? Like it's their, their Achilles heel by not being able to deceive and lie. Yeah. So... I believe that is definitely saying something about how differently the two cultures see this issue. Hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely definitely interesting. Um, I, I didn't I, I didn't remember about the the singer um, being able not being able to hide his thoughts, but it makes sense, right? Like the the Trisolarians like also had the the same thing. Like they had to they had to share like they had no opportunity not to share their thoughts right because like i guess like they're light or whatever uh like that's how they communicate yeah, communication organs yeah uh is there anything you you would that from the the series like that you'd wish they had expanded more on or anything that um that you'd kind of heard more about like i i know there was like a, a the with the redemption of time i haven't read it um but you know yeah. I, I heard that kind of expands a little bit on the story like in a fan fiction way but um, like, I guess there anything any about the series that like was unsatisfying or things that you would like to be expanded on? The ending felt a little rushed. Hmm. Um, that's about it, really. I mean, uh, the construction of the mini universes at the end of the series were less convincing than the other concepts in the book in the series. Yeah. So maybe, maybe you know the whole story was getting too grand to control. And that's many readers on Chinese social media expressed similar thoughts. So that's, I guess that's why people would write things like Redemption of Time. Hmm. Otherwise, I don't have any glaring holes in the book that I would like the author to fill. So. Yeah, I always wondered like why um like Yun Tianming and AA didn't just go in the pocket universe. Like he had it, right? Like why not just go in there and just wait for them to come out of the, the black domain? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs>
like it, it, it feels a little bit unsatisfying that like you know Chengxi never meets up with Yan Tianming afterwards. But you know, oh. <laughs> that might be another thing that changed for the for the the series, right? Like, uh, but it's more dramatic, you know. That like it's it's always just like this this series of like just misses, and like she's like just about to see him, and like all of a sudden, like oh, I'm stuck in a black domain for hundreds of yeah. thousands of years or a million, whatever it was, like millions of years, like stuck in that yeah. that the black domain. Yeah, that that's uh, it's quite heartbreaking if you think about it. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Yeah, like the her the entire universe is destroyed, and like the one person that she wants to see, like she almost like gets there after tra- you know traveling however many light years away. Mm-hmm. That's not a that's not a big problem. I I think they I I wish the the ending were more expanded, but I think in in terms of giving an u- ultimate picture of the universe, it was sufficient. Yeah, I always like the like the part where they talk about the um the what's it called the returners you know like the different factions like and and they also talk about i, I wish i would saw live in more of the world um the where you know she's on the planet green or was a planet blue or when she gets the other planet you know and they talk in the and they talk about like the how giving giving away coordinates of of your system is like really taboo and like that's really dangerous yeah. like just no one does it um i guess i would have liked to see a little bit that 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 part of expanded like see like really what the other you know outside of our solar system is like um uh, yeah yeah okay i agree with you i think i would have I, I would like to see more of the real kind of space battles as well and how trisolaris yeah. were able to survive all of this right 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 yeah but um look the, the third book is already quite long and right they, <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's ambitious enough, right? You like for it's like billions of years, so it's like how much how much can I put in there? <laughs> and you know, and, and the story is like you know, he tries to focus in on Changshin and her, you know, her journey, right? And so she's kind of just hearing about these things. And maybe it's more interesting that way. Maybe if he actually showed like all these things, it wouldn't be as interesting. But the fact mm-hmm. that like that stuff is out there, like you think about it, you know, and that I think about it when when I read that part uh, and like how, you know, what those other societies are like and like, yeah, really like there's all these space battles happening all the time. You know what is what does that look like? But maybe it's more interesting as like sort of an abstract concept, you know, in your in your mind and like from her perspective too. Like she has to think about this stuff. Yeah, and it's it's a favorite pastime of of readers of right. the series to to construct some of these things from the teeny tiniest details in the later part of the book of the third book. I mean, yeah, so they, they would. Uh, and and one of them was apparently consistent and credible enough to publish the Redemption of Time. D- did you read it? I didn't. Oh. But they published it. It must yeah. have been at least the most consistent of the fan fictions. Right. <laughs> yeah, I've heard like Mick. I haven't heard like everything. I mean, it seems uh, the reviews aren't like glowing, but they seem like it's okay. You know, like I maybe just it, maybe it's just like the conceit that it's like not by Lucy Shin, right? But it's just a fan. It's not it's not quote unquote um, canonical, right? Um, so maybe that's why it has some more of the the negative stereotype behind it. But yeah, that's at least my 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 feeling as I see other people talk about it. But I also haven't read it. I don't plan to read. I I don't plan on reading it either. It's not very necessary in my view. Okay. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? I this is an issue that did not occur to me until I read some of the some of the reviews out there, and it's about the issue of misogynist mm-hmm. elements in the in the series. Apparently, people take offense with the construction of an ideal lover in the second book, and then actually finding a real person that fits the ideal and uh so that's the second book the third book it is arguably more blatant with the with the negative comments about feminine feminine qualities Hmm. it didn't occur this did not occur to me at all when i first read it well maybe a little bit in the third book but definitely, I, I did not consider the second book to be anything 
that is misogynist. I wonder what your thoughts on that. So I think it also didn't occur to me. Uh, I, I wouldn't. I would say it was weird. Like it seemed like creepy about Luoji, uh, you know, constructing a lover and like really fantasizing about her. And then like, yeah, you find some woman who doesn't, who just happens to, or, you know, I guess Dasher finds that the woman uh, who ma- who matches the description, you know? And so she, I think the problem is like, she doesn't have much agency at that point. Like she's not much of a character. She's just like his imaginary girlfriend at that point. Uh, and that, it did strip, strike me as weird, you know? And like, there's more, it was more weird for a little G to do that than to be a really sexist thing. I, I think reading back on on the series, like there are a couple like of those kind of creepy moments, you know, where um in the first book, like uh uh Wang Miao like is taking pictures of Yang Dong and like saying, Oh, she's my perfect woman or whatever. Like that kind of stuff is it, there's like those kind of creepy, you know, elements there. But I, I have read those those misogynist uh comments as well. I didn't get that from the third book at all. Like I think we like we talked about like she's kind of representing the the goodness of humanity and you know I I love Ching Ching as a character like I I always like she's one of the reasons like I like the third book the most um is because like you know she she has those those good qualities you know to kind of balance against um you know the, the you know where a, a, like Wade right like Wade has like the opposite of that right like he would have like immediately pushed a button even if, like there wasn't any uh, you know I think he would immediately just destroy Trislayers without any thought. Um, so I, I like that kind of balance, but I, I think like, as far as the misogyny, like I said, like the, it's, it's more of that, that kind of creepy elements, a couple that come here and there. Uh, okay. Fair enough. I mean, I, I tend to believe that everyone, whatever gender they are, they would sometimes construct what an ideal person or an ideal lover is. And, yeah. uh, Everybody does that. I mean, women do it about men. Men do it about women. Um, the the I reason think I think the third book is more blatant is you see things like, you know, I think very pointed language at the feminization of men in the future. And yeah, some, that's true. some commander on the ship calls out, don't you know that there are no men in this society anymore? Mm. That's very suggestive. Of right. uh, of what of what um, feminine qualities are in the context of cosmic survival. Right, right, yeah, that that's true. I didn't think about that part. Yeah, like how the old, like the common era people, like are always like kind of making fun of the 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 later era people, like how they're all just, like feminized and. Uh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think like especially around like you said like the people do construct um you know the you know the ideal mate in, in mind uh, I I think like the the issue there is that you know she shows up but she has no more agency than that you know like she's just like oh it's not she's just this person who's like Doji's fantasy girl right she doesn't do mm-hmm. anything more um to to have like more of a character and I think that's that's the one knock on there yeah, fair enough. And later on, she was taken away by the UN as a means to motivate Wozi. Right. Uh, yeah, it, it could have been guy. like she did that, or you know, she made some kind of decision to do that. But yeah, she's just used as a as a tool, right? And as uh, as yeah, to make to, to make him, it's it's like a a thing to make Luigi do something, not because she needs to do it, because she sees that like you know his plan is in danger because he's not doing anything, you know. Yeah, fair enough. And I've also seen a theory where. The UN actually trained a spy to fit every description that Lordzi has, mm. and then in fact, Zhuang Yan is a is some sort of agent mm. who is <laughs> who is who who yeah who who actually drives Lordzi to do work. There's I don't think I caught I caught any evidence towards that theory in the book, but I also did not catch any evidence against that. Yeah, see, so, I think that would make her character, you know, a million times more interesting, right? Because, like, sure, she sh- she shows up, and, but you know, and, and just happens to be the perfect person that he describes, or whatever. But it's for a reason, right? Like, <laughs> like you know, she's actually like a super, you know, competent, you know, spy, and was able to infiltrate him and you know, kind of force him to start thinking about the plan. So, yeah, that that would be that. that, that I, I like that theory that yeah, you know, she is. <laughs> Yeah, so me, me too. I, I like it a lot. Um, again, you know, there's no evidence supporting this, and there's no evidence against it. 
it's completely up to the reader. Maybe it would have been too much, like uh, because you know the the other the other wall facer, his wife, you know, is, is becomes his wall breaker. So maybe it's like that'd be too uh, similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, oh, just as an aside regarding Frederick Tyler, back onto that point, mm-hmm. they they did, I think, omit a tiny segment in the English version. I I, I went back and verified this. So it is a snippet of very mild political commentary where the the wall breaker of Tyler says to him that you're not a very qualified wall facer because your plan is foolhardy and lacks scheming and twist and deception. The political commentary comes in where the wall breaker says that is because inherently you as a former U.S. Secretary of State have fallen into the habit of making strategic decisions while possessing the most advanced technology of mankind. And the U.S. has possessed the, the most advanced technology on Earth since probably the 60s or the mm-hmm. 50s. Right. And that's, that's true, right? So... Um, but his argument here is that because the U.S. has always made decisions from a position of technolo- technological strength, therefore he is not a qualified war facer when we face an alien civilization that is vastly more technologically advanced than us. Mm. Yeah, which, which to me made logical sense. I'm not sure why they omitted the snippet in the English version, maybe it wouldn't be popular with the U.S. audience. But I mean, it's it's sort of true. The, the U.S. has the strongest military or other technologies on, on the planet right now. And they have been for decades. But yeah, yeah, it could yeah. also be like the, yeah, like because like we you have like the, we, we, I think we have an arrogance to us, you know, as, as Americans that, you know, we have like the best technology and like, will we be able to solve any problems? Um, and so maybe that's why it wouldn't be. And I think humanity has that same problem later on when the droplet attack is like, oh yeah, no problem. We can take out, you know, 200 years. We, we, we would have so much that we can take out one little droplet. Uh, so. Maybe, maybe, but, uh, but yeah, uh, they, so just for, for the sake of completeness, that is another part hmm. that, they omitted in the English translation. Well, I just want to say thank you very much. I've really appreciated our, our talk here. Um, is there anything that you'd like to uh, find people online or like how, you know, how people can communicate with you? Yeah. Um, you know, you can email me or chat to me via Reddit. Uh, thank you very much, Frank, for, for your time. I appreciate all your, your insights and discussion. It's been really fun. Uh, if you'd like to participate in the series, please leave uh, you know, me a comment at uh, rehydrate at fastmail.com or on Twitter at rehydratepod, or you can find us on the Three Body Reddit. Again, thank you very much, and we will talk to you next time. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.